Beyond Access Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Presented by Bridge Bank. Be bold, venture wisely. I'm Dan Mac. On today's show, AT&T under pressure and a tech business legend retires. But first, MIT's failing grade on Jeffrey Epstein. So there's a nuclear reactor on MIT's campus. Seriously, it's a small one, but it is there. And people in the area regularly make morbid jokes about a meltdown. But MIT right now is facing a fallout that's not physically lethal, but just as damaging to its reputation. Specifically, reports that its media lab has much deeper financial ties than previously reported to Jeffrey Epstein, the billionaire, quote, tax strategist and convicted pedophile who committed suicide in prison last month while awaiting trial on new charges of child sex trafficking. So for those who don't know, the MIT Media Lab is kind of the East Coast school's highest profile effort to get some of that Silicon Valley shine, an R&D shop that spins out tech companies, but without commercialization as its primary priority. For the past eight years or so, it's been run by somebody named Joey Ito, a famed Japanese tech entrepreneur who also apparently had a very soft spot for Epstein, or at least for Epstein's money. Last month, Ito formally apologized for accepting small donations from Epstein, but on Saturday, Ronan Farrow wrote in The New Yorker that the ties were much deeper and much more lucrative than Ito had led on, with him having traveled at least twice to Epstein's private island in the U.S. Virgins and accepting millions of dollars in donations to the media lab from Epstein, who was actually on an official MIT list of people not to accept money from. More notably, some of the donations were really from billionaires Bill Gates and Leon Black, neither of whom is yet explaining why they needed to send their checks through a convicted sex offender. The bottom line, Jeffrey Epstein's life might be over, but his story keeps writing new chapters. In 23 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios Chief Financial Correspondent Felix Salmon. But first, this. Bridgebank believes in the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors, those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. That's why Bridgebank has been dedicated to providing financial solutions to sponsor-backed emerging technology and growth companies for nearly two decades through its national network of banking teams and offices. Bridgebank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridgebank, be bold, venture wisely. We're joined now by Axios Chief Financial Correspondent Felix Salmon. You've been kind of following this mess for the last month or so, but when you read Ronan Farrow's story over the weekend, your initial reaction was what? My initial reaction was, wow. I mean, I, I've been talking to a few people who had been telling me much of this stuff, so it wasn't complete surprise. But the fact that it was all of the worst rumors that I had heard turned out to be true, and then some, was kind of shocking. Something that was interesting about this, you and I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago, and there was this expectation, I spoke to people at MIT, that Joe Ito was going to step down really a month ago when it first became public that Epstein had made donations to the Media Lab. But then instead, what we get is this kind of this apologetic letter. Oops, we took a little money. We shouldn't have. That's the end of it. Are you surprised that MIT right then apparently didn't launch an investigation to make sure Ito was telling the truth and that there wasn't more to it? One of the things which remains incredibly unclear is the degree to which MIT Central was aware of what was going on at the Media Lab at the time. You know, how much did they know about Jeffrey Epstein's involvement in these huge donations from Leon Black and Bill Gates? Did Joey have to get official override from MIT in order to accept any money from Epstein at all? Because Epstein was apparently on an MIT list of people that you could not contact and could not accept money from. And so it looks as though somehow that list got overridden and MIT Central was aware of things, but all that whole angle has yet to really be explored. 
it's unclear exactly if MIT Central knew or if the Media Lab did a good job, you know, hiding it because a lot of what the Ronan Farrow story shows, and particularly some of the emails that were leaked out of MIT Media Lab, is that when there were donations coming in, that Epstein's name often got scrubbed. Like in the case of the Gates donation, for example, Epstein is simply referred to as a friend, not as Jeffrey Epstein. And what's more, Peter Cohen, who was the development officer in charge of the media lab, was very angry even at that, that he saw that dozens of people within MIT could see that the donation came at the behest of an anonymous friend. And he was like, people are going to ask questions if they see that. We have to make it even more anonymous and make it even more secret than that. And the fact that the development officer and Joey were going to such great lengths to keep these connections incredibly secret is evidence that they knew that it was wrong. Fields, let me broaden this out a little bit just when it comes to Epstein and, and money. Clearly, Ito apparently believed the ends justified the means, although also didn't think that others were going to agree with that. Would it be your expectation that lots of other big academic institutions, Harvard, Stanford, on down the line, are right now scrubbing real hard to find out if they've got donations from Epstein they don't know about? Harvard is the big one. Like, if you look at all of the profiles of Epstein over the years from before and after his conviction, the one institution which comes up over and over and over again that he really loved the most was Harvard. He was always seen in Harvard sweatshirts. He was always hanging out with Harvard professors. Even though he didn't go there. He's not an alumni. Right. I mean, he never graduated from any college, but he was a massive fan of Harvard. And, you know, there were reports that he was very close with Lawrence Summers, who was the president at the time and that kind of thing. So I'm sure that there's going to be another shoe to drop with respect to Harvard, at least. Part of the mystery here, so there's the MIT Media Lab piece of this, but then there's also the donations piece and, and the fact that Epstein was basically the middleman for people like Bill Gates and Leon Black, the big private equity executive. The mystery here seems to be why Gates and Black continued to use Epstein. This is long after his initial arrest and pleading guilty for soliciting underage prostitutes. These are guys who have big organizations that donate money for them. They put their name on everything. Why use Epstein at all if you're these guys? Well, exactly. And Gates was similar to Cohen and Ito in wanting to keep his donation completely secret. He said, please don't use my name in association with this donation at all. So why was he so keen to keep it secret? And even more weirdly, why would he give $2 million to the media lab without ever talking to anyone at the media lab. Apparently, he did it just at the behest of Epstein and not, you know, and never even talked to Joey or anyone else. And it's hard to say this and, and to phrase this right. But I mean, you're in a situation where Gates isn't really saying much. Leon Black is saying absolutely nothing about any of this. He, he sent, you know, his investors and employees kind of this apologetic letter, which really was more an apology for media attention than for his actual actions here. Neither one of them can explain why they were in business with Jeffrey Epstein when it comes to philanthropy. If it was, quote, tax strategy, fine, trying to you know hide money in the Virgin Islands or whatever. But when it comes to philanthropy, Neither one has an answer. And the only kind of logical explanation is such a horrific one that you'd think they'd both be running to explain it in some other way. Remember that Leon Black didn't just give money to the media lab at the behest of Epstein. He also gave $10 million to Jeffrey Epstein's own personal foundation. And in terms of philanthropies, it's vanishingly rare for like one rich person's foundation to give money to another rich person's foundation. They normally team up to give money to the same recipient. So that one's even harder to understand. 
Felix, as you say, other shoes to drop. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. My final two, right after this. With offices and tech hubs throughout the country, including San Francisco, Boston, and Atlanta, and new offices in Seattle, Denver, and Chicago, BridgeBank continues to meet the innovation ecosystem wherever it thrives. And through its teams focused on technology and life sciences companies and the equity investors who fuel them, BridgeBank delivers a responsive, high-touch client experience. BridgeBank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold, venture wisely. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is AT&T, which this morning learned that activist investor Elliott Management has become its sixth largest shareholder with around a $3.2 billion stake. The bottom line here is that Elliott wants CEO Randall Stevenson out, arguing that AT&T is now facing its biggest competition from tech giants like Amazon and Netflix, while Stevenson is an old line telecom guy. Now, the same argument goes for Stevenson's heir apparent, John Stanky, and I hear that Elliott already has some replacement candidates in mind. The real question now is if AT&T's board can fend off Elliott in defense of its executives, or if the very fact that Elliott just went public means it's already lined up most of the shareholder support it needs. And finally, Jack Ma turns 55 years old tomorrow, and China's richest man will mark the occasion by retiring as chairman of Alibaba, the tech giant he co-founded 20 years ago. Now, this isn't new news. Ma signaled his intentions to retire last year, writing in an open letter at the time that he is still young enough to try new things and saying that he has lots of dreams left to pursue. This includes helping improve training for teachers in rural China and remaining the de facto global face of Chinese entrepreneurship. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Lily Wimberly, have a great National Care Bears Share Your Care Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.